All right, welcome to the Do You Believe podcast. It's Throwback Thursdays on Mondays or Tuesdays, whenever this comes out, but it's probably not Thursday. So yeah, we're talking about, and we're recording on December 7th, the day that we'll live in infamy. And uh, we're going to cover some Pearl Harbor conspiracies. Max is here. Max, say hi. Hey, how's it going? And since it's old school, we're going to cue the theme music. Okay, so Max, where were you when Pearl Harbor happened? (laughs) I I remember... uh... You know, I remember distinctly. I was there that day, you know. I remember it very vividly back in the 30s, dude. Oh, or 40? Was it 41? 41. So, yeah, I wasn't even born yet. Max is significantly older than me. Um, mm-hmm. I, I mean, a old. lot. Yeah. I'm like a hundred. Yeah, hundreds. Um, but, yeah, it's Pearl Harbor Day when we're recording this, so... I figured I'd start with a synopsis of that day and then dive into the conspiracies here. Hey, the secret to staying young, put lotion on every day. That's it. All right, you heard it here. Don't listen to uh, any uh, of those people that come and try and sell it to you. (laughs) I don't remember what's what's it called. Oh, uh, they travel. I don't remember what it's called. I'm an alchemist, but... uh, Oh, no, I was talking about, like, Mary Kay or something. <laughs> what? I thought you were talking about people that sell potions or something. Snake oil hey, salesmen? Don't yeah, listen to them either. <laughs> so, on that day, the attack occurred just before 8 a.m. on Sunday, December 7th, 1941. Hundreds of Japanese fighter planes attacked and destroyed 20 American vessels, including eight battleships, which is... Um, that's a lot of battleships. I'm not gonna lie. Like, I don't. I don't like. <laughs> battleships are expensive. You know. Have you ever bought one? Oh yeah. Like the real uh, price. I was looking at the market, and yeah, it's just not a good time to buy right now. So like, sinking a like one battleship, that'll you'll never be able to financially recover from that. But eight. Planes are huge. Giant they are too. Gigantic. Like a lot of uh, destructive material to break those things up. You know what I mean? For. For sure. Even the, so the USS Arizona, I think that's the most famous one that's like, I think it's like half sunk and you can go see it still. And like, supposedly some people were trapped inside and they're still there. Stuff like that. Apparently it still like drips oil apparently. I, I, oh, yeah. I was a tiny, tiny baby. Oh, that's cool. Back when I was only like 200 years old. <laughs> but yeah, I think that one, like they pretty much landed like a direct hit with a bomb like in the hit the, like the munition section of the boat and just blew it up and sank it so i'm pretty sure that's the one that's smoking in like the famous pictures you see um but yeah over 300 airplanes uh 2400 americans died including civilians and another 1000 were wounded um and then the day after roosevelt asked congress to declare war on japan I'm going to read That's kind of... where the conspiracy kind of starts to unwind, yeah? It does. So I'm going to read this. That, but yeah, go ahead, go ahead. This is his 
famous quote and then like a kind of a follow-up. It was... This is what he said. Yesterday, December 7, 1941, a date which will live in infamy, the United States of America was suddenly and deliberately attacked by naval and air forces of the Empire of Japan. No matter how long it may take us to overcome the premeditated invasion, the American people in their righteous might will win through to absolute victory. I believe I interpret the will of the Congress and of the people when I assert that we will not only defend ourselves to the utmost, but will make certain that this form of treachery shall never endanger us again. So, um, and thus was the birth of the military industrial complex. Uh, pretty much. I was thinking about that when I was reading through all of this stuff, man. And like that just, like, especially that se- second section, I don't know. It just seems. He's basically saying we're guilty, but like, but he's being vague about i don't know to me it just sounds like he goes like what he's saying is almost like he's admitting it but like making it's like wordplay to make it sound like someone else yeah it just it's so weird it sounds like propaganda to an extent you know yeah and and i mean again this kind of jumps right into the conspiracy that's the whole part of it is like fdr um i guess the conspiracy is just to sum it up really quick before we dive in it's that uh the attack uh, on Pearl Harbor was actually like premeditated by us in a way, or we knew it was coming at least, and then we just didn't do anything about it. Uh, we being the government, I guess, you know, FDR particularly, because he wanted what was called a backdoor effect, is what I was reading about, and that's like where, what the conspiracy kind of is called, is like the backdoor effect on war. You like s- start something and then use it as an excuse to uh, provoke doing something that's against the will of the people essentially yeah for sure and i something i was reading was listing out like almost like all of the major wars like in recent memory like world war one on were all they all had suspicious origins like all of them do i mean go ahead i didn't mean to cut you off but i was gonna say like even reading through this it, it uh brought me back to you know i hearken back to our yemen talk you know if you guys have tuned into that episode um you know really during this time we wanted to be neutral as a a population everyone you know wanted uh, neutrality and there were even like drafts written for neutrality after world war one most people were like yeah let's not go back into war um but i guess roosevelt kind of um the revisionist is that what his like opposition was called um I don't know. I, I think revisionist is kind of a broad term for anybody it was that party. I think. I think it was like actually a party, and they kind of huh. were the ones who, in a way, spawned. From what I was reading, like kind of spawned the conspiracy idea. They were saying. So again, it could have been propaganda on their part too, but they were basically saying, and I, and actually, actions show that he was ramping up for war prior to actually like going into war, even though he kept saying, and to your point of propaganda he would use his fireside chats as a way of propaganda because, you know, radio, I think, was probably new back then. Yeah. And so he would use those to, like, be inside the home. I think he was, like, the first one inside the home, right? And basically he used it to kept saying, we're not going to go to war, we're not going to go to a foreign war, like, foreign war. And so he needed an excuse for it to be domestic. And then um, years leading up to the bombing of Pearl Harbor, I guess, he was, like, investing heavily in the military, and, and stuff like that because there was a Great Depression and he wanted, I think, a bigger global presence. Yeah. 
So just to kind of like rationalize the conspiracy. That's what I was reading. I also had, I forgot I have some notes here to, to rationalize the non-conspiracy side. Cause like I wanted to get like what the official story was like for all of this. Um, so like going with Japan first, it said, you know, they felt that um, their economy, they had economic and demographic issues and they felt like the only way they could solve that was to kind of expand into China. Um, I don't think China was okay with that. Um, and Who, the U.S. wanted to expand or Japan? No, Japan wanted to. So right, right. basically to try and, in their mind, save their country. So they started to kind of mess with China, who was kind of, at the time, a lesser power. Um, and then, so I have a note here. Well, no, they started getting cozy with like uh, Nazi Germany. That's where that's where FDR was like really concerned. Um, because he he thought there that Japan and, and Germany was getting like their relationship was getting too cozy, and that's sort of what his among you know also saying you know he wanted to protect Britain and I think like France and stuff. He was saying you know we should go to war. We should go to war. You know, the Axis powers are expanding, and on top of that, like, we need to protect our allies. And so, um, you know, but that was to, you know, in contrast with what people wanted. They wanted, like, isolationism. Um, yeah, so that's also kind of another thing is, like, I don't know. Roosevelt just seemed like he wanted, he had an interest in going to war. And again, it could, I feel like it could be summed up with, like, military-industrial complex Oh, for um, sure. Especially because they were just coming out of the Great Depression. He needed to make it look like jobs and money was moving, you know what I'm saying? And so I think he probably maybe saw like war. He was like, well, when we went to World War, I guess I guess that may have caused the Depression. I don't, I'm not exactly sure, but. Well, it was like, it's like a bunch of things, but like you ramped up all this industry for World War One to create weapons and armor and all that stuff. And then it's the war's over. And then. And then what? You know, that entire sector goes away. So I think that helps uh, lead to it to some extent. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. And he, I don't know. I guess what I was reading is they, America was basically an active member of war, but we weren't taking part. And FDR basically wanted a tipping point to, I guess we weren't an active member of war, but like we could be considered one because we were so ramped up on military stuff and uh, weaponry and all that. And uh, that was leading up to the Pearl Harbor strike. And I guess uh, on top of that, the Neutrality Act that went into place after World War One, Roosevelt had revised them uh, to be a little more, like, lenient so that he could... Basically, he just used it so he could, like, move weaponry and battleships to Britain. Or no, yeah, battleships, I think, and then... Whatever we we gained like control of certain Brit British uh, military bases as well. So it's all just to say like you know his fireside chats were you know those were just words and words are cheap and then so like his actions were showing otherwise and he it's like he was getting ready to go to war and so it seemed like people think you know his excuse was Pearl Harbor like he knew it was coming. I'm not sure. Do you know anything about like how they knew it was coming or? Um, What's the evidence of that? We'll get to it. Okay, sorry. I feel like I'm cutting you off a lot. Um, let's see. I was going to say, like, the, the main, according to the official narrative, the main thing that kind of kicked things off for us to 
kind of engage with Japan in certain ways was the the Nanking Massacre, um, is what it's called. And it stories basically Japan went into Nanking, which was like the capital at the time, I think is what I read. Um, and they just basically destroyed it and like killed a bunch of people, raped a bunch of women, all that kind of stuff. Um, uh, and I'll come back to that at some point. But after that happened... America responded by issuing like a bunch of economic sanctions and trade embargoes, um, hoping that that would force Japan to halt its expansionism. If they're lacking all the resources and stuff from all these sanctions, then maybe they would cut it out. But uh, the Japanese were a stubborn people, and actually, um, this kind of pissed them off. So, so was was the U.S. implying uh, tariffs on bringing in their goods? Or yeah, were most likely. Barring trade going into Japan, because I thought that they would put tariffs on like Japanese metals. Probably a bit of is what I thought it was. Bit of everything. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Whatever they could get away. with. Oh, I read it somewhere else that they like shut closed the Panama Canal from uh, Japan being able to use it, which is interesting. But um, so this is the and I never really thought to ask this question, but it was like why. Did they attack us? That just seems kind of dumb. The first way I rationalized it was like maybe Japan knew the U.S. would be involved at some point anyway and figured they would just, you know, be the first to do a sneak attack, you know, you know, get that that critical damage. Yeah, I mean, I think get a crit. <laughs> but I, I think, um, excuse me, I think part of it, again, you know, like, we were on a fine line of like whether we were going like going into war or not like i said like people wanted to stay out of it and but the government was like ramping up for us so kind of yeah to japan it probably looked like we were definitely going to and i think even on top of that i think at one point fdr before we were actually in war uh before we were in war he like um issued a command like if you see any japanese like jets or plane uh ships like shoot at them and that was before we even declared war i'm pretty sure yeah. So they probably were already, you know. So this is, um, as I was researching, this is kind of eyebrow-raising moment number one. This is the official, like, reason why they say, and this is, like, from U.S. perspective, why Japan attacked us. And it says the Japanese wanted to go the U.S. into lifting sanctions against them by attacking us. And instead, you know, we join the war. So it's like, that's the official reason Japan, Japan did it, was to make them stop, because stamps sanctioning them, like, yeah, uh, like by, by killing a bunch of people and sinking a bunch of their ships. Okay. Just, yeah, okay. exactly. They're manufacturing consent. They're like, they, uh, they attacked us for this reason. It's like a BS. It's like, dude, what? Like, they... That wouldn't make any sense. If anything, you're just poking the bear, you know? So, yeah, I was expecting something more along the lines of what you and I were saying. But that's what it says in these, like, just... And this was, like, from, like, history.com or, like, like well, the official is. story. Right. Yeah, yeah, like, from the history books. Like, like well, even if it was that we were, you know, they were fighting back because we were shooting at them or whatever, like, we are still provoking them at that point, like... You know what I mean? If if he was giving commands to fire at will, even though we weren't in war, Japan was probably just like, what the hell is going on? Like, why, why are they shooting at us? I thought those were just trade ships or something. Um, 
Yeah. So, I mean, it's like, no, the reason wasn't because of that is because we were getting involved or there was evidence that we were about to get involved. It was pretty clear. So, um, yeah, that's not a really good excuse. Like, they wanted to lift the yeah. embargo. Uh, yeah so yeah eyebrow raising moment so now we can start that's all like the uh the official story i want to get into now we can start to dive into the conspiracy and basically it just depends it's it's all based around the idea that we knew ahead of time but then there's a couple you know different theories um that involve like who knew when they knew and how much they were involved so um that's what i'm interested in because like i feel like as i've been interrupting you i've kind of been explaining i guess the conspiracy side of it or like the rationale i don't know you know how we would have known that it was coming did we send ships away from there to protect it like okay so it just looked like we were moving away from any possible strikes and allowing the opportunity or so here's my understanding and this, uh, this first section I'm talking about comes from a book called Betrayal at Pearl Harbor, How Churchill Lured Roosevelt into World War II by James Russ Bridger and Eric uh, Knave. Um, so Eric Knave is, uh, he broke Japanese code in 1939. So that's key. Um, and then this Russ Bridger guy was a former MI6 intelligence officer. Um, it's my understanding from everything that I've heard is that we had broken the code of Japanese transmissions before uh, Pearl Harbor. Therefore, there's a good chance we would have intercept, intercepted information regarding this. Um, okay, that makes sense. So, um, this Russ Bridger guy, uh, he um, found a declassified naval memo dated December 4th, 1941, that read that. So, this is like one of our internal memos within the Navy. In anticipation of. Before the strike. Yep. In anticipation of possible open conflict with this country, Japan is vigorously utilizing every available agency to secure military, naval, and commercial information, paying particular attention to the West Coast, Panama Canal, and the territory of Hawaii. So, that's. To me, that's just like a red flag item that says, okay, we obviously knew something for sure. This, yeah. is, this isn't enough to like we knew the be area. like, boom, we knew there the proximity you go. That it would, but, yeah, we knew the proximity that we should be protecting and keeping eyes on. So this book has two main conspiracies. Um, overall, it's that Japan was allowed to attack Pearl Harbor so that America could assist the Allies. Uh, against Germany. Um, so theory one is that Winston Churchill knew about the attack in advance and told Roosevelt, but they both agreed to sit on the information. They probably had some sort of agreement. And then the second theory is that Churchill knew about the attack, but didn't even tell Roosevelt. Um, so I guess I can expand on that. Um, Churchill knowing about it and telling Roosevelt. Um, actually, hold on. I've got a good piece of information that will go yeah, with that this. Yeah, that one doesn't make That was the one that I was like, that one doesn't really make sense. 
Okay. Um, like I can understand like hacking in and getting the trans, you know, transmission of uh, Intel, but. So I, I think Ch Churchill and Roosevelt were definitely bros. Yeah, they gave each other military equipment and bases. Um, do, 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 do. There's this guy that I read about. His name is uh, Admiral J.O. Richardson. Uh, he had f flown... Okay, actually, this doesn't tie, but it's, it's useful. Had flown to Washington um, to protest the decision to station the naval base in Pearl Harbor. Uh, he said that it was like very indefensible, and there could be they were vulnerable to attack from like any direction. Um, and he had publicly said after he met with FDR one of these times, he said, "I came away with the impression that despite his spoken word, the president was fully determined to put the United States into the war if Great Britain could not, or if Great Britain could hold out until he was reelected." Um, and he was relieved of duty in February of 1941. Eyebrow raising Admiral moment. Guy? Yep. Admiral? Or, okay. Okay. And then FDR got a second term, right? Yep. Of course. Yeah. That's another thing. It just helps him lock in another term and stay in power. So, yeah. So I, I could easily see Roosevelt Churchill sitting down saying, okay, we want to help you out. Um, but I really can't at the moment because I kind of said we're not going to be in any more wars and it looks kind of bad. Um, but hey, you're telling me about this potential attack. Let's just, let's let it ride, you know? You know what I'm saying, man? And then Churchill's uh, like, yeah, I man, see. I know what you're saying. And then, yeah. <laughs> I see. I mean, that, that does make sense. He was just like uh, helping Roosevelt basically get, get reelected. By uh, what's how, how does that go when you like withhold, you like purposely don't know something? <laughs> There's a term for it, but uh, that that makes sense too. Um, I mean, the, you know, the, the incentives I feel like are there. Yeah. For someone to want it, and and if you just look at people as a conduit to get you know to get to the, to the end, then. So uh, that's a question. The second theory is that Churchill knew but didn't say anything. Um. I didn't like this one as much, um, but there was a, okay, there's a Pulitzer Prize winner, John Tolan, that wrote a book, Infamy, Pearl Harbor and its Aftermath. Uh, he suggested that Churchill did not warn of attack because he believed, like, the war was already lost, and then it would likely make matters worse for the English citizens if it had gotten out that they had tipped off the U.S. to the Pearl Harbor attack, and the the... The idea is that he would sacrifice a couple thousand U.S. people to save millions of English lives. I guess, you know, he's assuming the Germans would come in and if they found out they were being extra naughty, they would maybe kill everyone or something. I, I guess that's that's the no, thing. No, I see. They didn't want to they didn't want to further so endanger themselves. And they just didn't want to, like, dig a deeper hole. I see. Yeah. So. I don't like that as much. Like, I mean, it makes sense, but I kind of like the first theory a little bit better. Um, that makes more sense. I think the trying to help Roosevelt stay in power. 
they both have the same interests. They've, they've been helping each other out, you know, supplying each other with goods, commodities. So he's like, dude, just do me a solid. So this one, so this next, this is a third theory, not from this book. This is from a different book. It's a little more, um, even more extreme. Uh, and this is Day of Deceit and the Truth About FDR and Pearl Harbor by Robert B. Stinnett is his name and he's really into this so if you're gonna read a book probably read this book uh this guy is i had to stop reading like his stuff because it just it's so much there's so much detail to it and like who he knew and what this person said and how that proves this but this person said that said it's not true but then this guy over here said something that contradicted that guy and it's like it's uh, i picture like uh charlie in the room with all the the strings all over the wall and the tacks trying to explain this so <laughs> oh yeah from philly <laughs> yeah <laughs> so it's kind of like that um so his theory is that um not only was roosevelt aware of the the attack but he openly had a hand in like orchestrating it um not like inside job kind of thing but like he was actively trying to get japan to attack um by his like maneuvers and whatnot with yeah his, that so makes sense. yeah he like leaves it uh an easy target sort of thing he's like oh we need to go do def- like training out there away from this island yeah so there's a in this in the book he writes there's a guy named tyler kent that was a like a he was involved with like uh reading code and stuff for the u.s government he was at the u.s embassy in london at the time um, and he said that uh, he discovered secret dispatches between Roosevelt and Churchill, which revealed that Roosevelt wanted to win the war along with England. That's the thing I was trying to find earlier to go with the, what we were saying. Um, but uh, funny enough, Kent, uh, this Tyler Kent guy, spent uh, most of the war in prison after trying to sneak documents out of the embassy. Maybe it was the documents he was talking about. Um, but... All right, so here, here's here's what he said in this. They, they said that what they did with Germany was almost the same. Like, they just, the U.S. kept doing things to even provoke Germany, like, into war. So they would, like, freeze German assets. They would send uh, destroyers and U-boats, like, to Britain, like you were saying, to help them out. And that's just, that makes Germany kind of uneasy, um, and they've always it's felt nice. like uh, like everybody's out to get them, like especially after World War One. Um, I mean, it's, it's yeah, it sounds a lot like the formula that that I was trying to explain is being used in uh, Yemen, where it's like we stay on the outside, supply arm, you know, arms and whatnot, um, you know, to Saudi or to Britain, and then we, we can just say, yeah, well, we we gave it to them and. Uh, we're not really involved, but it's like, well, at what point is, is it considered you're involved, you know? Yeah. So this guy is, he's claiming that they did that to piss off Germany. And then they just use the same tactics. Like we talked about with Japan with like the sanctions, um, building up more, uh, military things, helping out the, the allies, all that stuff just to piss off Japan. Now to throw another, interesting wrench in this nobody pointed this out directly this is just something i kind of gathered myself i looked up this nanking massacre 
Because this is kind of like the first excuse the U.S. had to kind of start bullying Japan. To kind of piss them off. Um, And there are a lot of Japanese um, that say it never happened. Or it didn't happen the way that it's uh, presented. Um, Mm. That the whole story behind like the Nanking Massacre is just anti-Japanese propaganda. As in mm-hmm. sort of like a like a mini false flag. That um, Okay, I see, I see. They the US especially went in and made made this out to be more horrible than it really was to make Japan look bad to justify their actions and the American people would be accepting of it. Now that's just a that's just a theory, so no one come at me. But um, but yeah, I, f- I found that interesting because no, totally you, you uh... see that a lot. Like so that it just it wouldn't surprise me. If... Well, and that's why it's so like that's why you know, I guess involvement of you know affairs and whatnot is so divisive because both sides seem like they could be justified. Like and they can, they both can, I guess, in a way. But it's it's like well, which I don't know. We should try something new. You know what I mean? We already had seen World War One, saw what it did, how many people it cost. So it's like, well, maybe we should try a different route and figure things out at a table or something. I don't know. But then, they, yeah, it seems like the narrative with these conspiracies is always like they wanted to go to war because then they needed an excuse for X, Y, Z. And it all comes back to like them making more money, holding power and all that stuff. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's uh, it's war has changed. Like it, it used to be back in the good old days. It was just basically one country wanted to take over your land because they wanted your land. You know, now it's much more complicated. Or maybe oh, yeah, it's not. Yeah. It's just maybe it's uh, just it's resources, power, it money. The same reasons, but the tactics and like what what the face of war looks like. I feel like it's changing in a way. Yeah, it's you know, we. It's almost like the the picture we're presented of the war never represents anywhere close to what it is. Like only the people on the inside know the real landscape of you know what's going on. Just frustrating. All the all these politicians pulling strings. <laughs> yeah. So, and you know, we can tease a future episode that. The one pulling all of the strings of all of it is either like the Rothschilds or the the World Bank or the Illuminati, you know, all that stuff. Oh, yeah. So that's actually that's basically the conspiracy. I didn't know if you had any any other ones. I didn't find any wacky ones like Pearl Harbor never happened or anything like that. But (laughs) no, no, no. I think the general thing I saw was just what we explained, you know. Fireside chats is propaganda into the home. He knew people didn't want the war. He needed an excuse. Pearl Harbor happened. Was he in on it, or was that, or was it, you know, was he justified in wanting to go fight? I, I don't know. Who will never know. And that's yeah. And that's like something also kind of weird that like. I feel like people that have that much power they almost have like a God complex where 
they could make a decision like this, even if like, I don't know, they feel like they're entitled to make a decision that says, hey, they could justify by saying, okay, if Germany wins all of Europe and Japan wins China, they'll come for us next and then we're all going to die. So therefore, we have to let this happen so that we can stop it, right? That's just, it's weird that they think they can make that kind of decision. Like, I could yeah, never make that how, decision. Uh, to, what, to what degree is the aggressor aggressing, I guess? You know, I mean, there's clear cases where it's like, again, if they're, you know, if there's someone trying to wipe out masses of people, like, you know, like a whole race, yeah, you should probably go intervene. But if it's like people are just kind of, you know, like what I was thinking is, you know, with like a tinfoil hat on, it's like, what if like we just heard something that sounded aggressive? <laughs> like maybe they were all these countries over yonder, like a far away, were like initially like talking at a table with like their local people. And then we got in on those meetings and we heard something and then just like, it was like telephone game. Politicians started like exaggerating what was said and they're like, yeah, they said they're going to go bomb them and all this stuff. And then we swoop in like in the name of justice. I don't know. Stupid, yeah. but it's kind of the concept. <laughs> but yeah, so that's Pearl Harbor. Um, I, I think for me, there's enough evidence to make this. I'll label this as plausible. Um, almost likely that we knew ahead of time. Um, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, if I'm going to rate this on a plausibility, 10 being like it's definitely true, one being like there's no way, I'd probably put this at 8.5. Yeah, I think I'm around there too. Kind of shady. Seems likely. <laughs> and yeah. Um, this tells what the you know what everyone else thinks. You know, email, send us an email. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then this Stenet guy in his book, I remember I was just reading that like he had gotten a bunch of uh, freedom of information things approved that had a bunch of papers um, revolving around this. And as soon as he published this book, they started like they can issue like a retraction, like to pull the information back. And he started doing that after he put his book out. So um, I think they figured out he was too smart for his own good. Another oh. eyebrow raising moment. So yeah. Oh, what the heck? I think it just falls Man, under all, the bucket of crumbs, you know, that, yeah, for sure. <laughs> and when you see the bigger picture, it's like, it's kind of hard to deny, you know, that's what that's I'm what saying. Makes it so interesting, man. What's the real narrative? Only you will decide. <laughs> yeah, that's it for this episode. Um, if you have any ideas you want for shows or anything like that, dybpodcast at gmail.com. Feel free to reach out to us. Um, we're talking, throwing around a bunch of different ideas. We were even talking about Sasquatch before we started this um, with its teleporting He's abilities. And there's some, yeah, there's some new cool stuff with that. So um, with that, without further ado, that's it. Say bye. Very much love to everyone out there. Adios. Take care. Mm -hmm.